Super Talk Mississippi media production. And now it's Coast View with Ricky Matthews. Brought to you by J. Allen Toyota and AGJ Systems and Networks on Super Talk 103.1 FM. Welcome to Coast View, the show that celebrates here in coastal Mississippi, the people who are making this place such an amazing place to live, work, and play. And uh, I want to say Happy New Year to you. We had a great show yesterday with uh, Delbert Hoseman, the Lieutenant Governor of the State of Mississippi. And as we discussed, and as the Speaker of the House, Philip Gunn, and I discussed a couple of weeks ago, this legislative session is shaping up to be one of the most profound, one of the most uh, transformational sessions ever. They have so many incredible issues to deal with, uh, not the least of which is uh, a bill that's going to be before them, or at least an effort before them involving the healthcare industry. But anyway, they've got a lot to say grace over. I couldn't think of a better second, you know, or actually third guest, because we also had Ryan Miller from the Office of Workforce Development on yesterday as well, then Lee Bond. And we're going to spend the whole show today with Lee Bond, the uh, CEO of Singing River Health Systems, someone who's been a great friend of the show and has been incredibly passionate about the challenges the healthcare system has had to face uh, through the, throughout the pandemic. And so we're going to cover the waterfront today. But anyway, without any further ado, Lee, thank you for uh, joining me today. I'm Happy to be here. Okay. Let me, let, for, okay, let's just take all these issues aside for a second. And let me, first of all, just say congratulations to you and your hospital, hospitals for your incredible grades recently, man. You, even through the pandemic, you guys have stayed focused on excellence. Tell me more about what that's all about. So uh, we have, I'm, I could not be more proud and, and humble at the same time about what our team has accomplished. Uh you know, to, to get that A rating, uh, there's a 28-point algorithm, everything from uh, surgical site infections, hospital-acquired conditions, cleanliness, service scores. They had all of that up, and to be able to get an A, and, and I don't know, we have not found another health system that has three hospitals where all three got an A. Uh, the work and the dedication of every person from environmental services to nursing to rate, just the whole team contributed uh, to that. So it's just, it's it's absolutely humbling and exciting at the same time for us to have that. It's the it's the pinnacle of what you want when, when you focus on quality. And so uh, now we got to maintain it and stay there, uh, stay at the top. But uh, I, I honestly could not say enough about every individual, whether it's a surgical tech or a med surg nurse or tech, it takes every single one of our 3,500 people to contribute to get to that uh, A level rating. Well, what is what is really what adds even more to this? As I mentioned, obviously the pandemic going on, when you've had to deal with uh, professional uh, medical sh uh, personnel shortages, particularly around nurses. We'll talk about that a little bit later in the show. But you did the you know the acquisition of Garden Park during all of this, and has sort of you know assimilated that into your company and to your culture you look that's not easy to do i mean yeah. i've been in the in the acquisition business before it's hard to to meld cultures and and processes together in the way that you guys did it in such yeah, a short yeah. period of time how were you able to do that so uh we made the decision to invest in that before anybody knew what COVID was uh in fairness had we known in the middle of the pandemic we 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 might have not made a better decision but i think uh divine providence god had a plan i guess and said uh get that lined out and then and then here comes covid so it has been difficult to integrate that 
during COVID, but it also fits with all of our initial reason for doing it. Uh, that property already was uh, contributed 16% of our cardiac care, our leading service line was generated in part from uh, that North Gulfport area. So uh, there were a, a million reasons to do it that made sense for the long-term stability of our health system. And it just really took a lot of people stretching, Ricky. I had people, I can't tell you, there's probably 50 people who just absorbed managerial duties for that property in order to make this work for the greater good. I'm uh, beyond blessed to work with a team of selfless people that really believe in you know, our mission and what we're uh, trying to accomplish. And it kind of goes back to that culture, that A rating. And it's taken a while to, to really build that. Our, as you know, I came from the, the gaming and hospitality business. And uh, it's amazing to me in America how uh, hotels are often better at service than hospitals. Uh, it should be the other way around. You know, people in hospitals need the most love and care than anybody. And so we've tried to create a culture where, you know, we do things like we say, we treat our patients like guests and we really make them feel like they're at home while we take care of them. That's been a big part of our culture change. And we've actually, uh, the, the folks that were the core group that we kept at Gulfport were very excited and, and they embraced that with open arms. So it's been difficult and it's been easy at the same time, uh, depending on which strata you're looking at. But it's coming along great. Uh, they're doing really well over there, and we're really happy with the, the team in Gulfport. One other, I'm going to come back to a comment about you here uh, specifically, but before we move away from that that acquisition, the uh, the collaboration, the partnership you developed with Auctioner in New Orleans has really turned out to be a good one, hasn't it? Oh yeah, definitely. And while we have focused it more on Gulfport, uh, that's a that's a system wide partnership. They've helped us more in Gulfport to get that going, but uh, they have they we talked to many companies. Uh, we talked to several large national companies and academic institutions, and Oshner was the most aligned with us in culture of putting that patient in number one spot of having a pinnacle of quality. So it just really fit together, us and them. I tell them it's like uh, Reese's peanut, it's like chocolate and peanut butter, you know, we just go together. And so we are better and stronger together. Um, and you'll see us do more in Jackson County uh, with the co-branding and things over time, uh, because that, that partnership continues uh, to thrive and grow. We, we just, we couldn't be more, more happy. It's not been easy during the pandemic. You know, we got distracted a lot. Uh, normal things and progress we would make got put off because we had to focus on uh, coronavirus, unfortunately, but uh, we still made a lot of progress. We've implemented their digital health tools for our employees, just as one example. And there's, I mean, our employees are now in their network and that helps them. So it's uh, it's been a real uh, benefit uh, to all three hospitals for sure. It's a real strategic partnership. And as you and I have talked about before, uh, some people are under the mistaken conclusion that Auctioner actually bought Singer River Health System. Yeah. So clear that up once again. Yeah, so uh, they have no, I think I'd be the first to know if they wanted to buy us. Uh, that is not their interest. They're a, they're a private not-for-profit. We're a governmental not-for-profit. So uh, their goal was uh, they want to be associated with like-branded, you know, people that can help you know, their good name and our good name together are uh, ring the bell of quality. And so that is why they wanted to be uh, aligned with us. 
Uh, and we already shared it. They, they helped us with other things in the purchasing front and things like that. So we already had a, built some relationship, but they have no real interest in, in, in acquisition uh, of any sort. They just want to see us thrive together. And it helps with uh, throughput. You know, uh, nothing against Jackson, uh, but I love my whole state. But this is an east-west community. And uh, New Orleans, if somebody needs a transplant, trying to find some place in the country in Birmingham or Jacksonville or Ohio or you, wherever to send them, we've got the, one of the best transplant centers that's an hour away. And so it just made natural sense. And that's the reason for the partnership. There's no uh, underlying motive to buy us. I mean, I imagine if, you know, let's say things got worse uh, and Mississippi continues to struggle worse than other states, uh, would they be able to help us more and in a bigger way? Maybe, but that's not the that's not the intent of the partnership. Yeah, I had the opportunity. Obviously, I'm not going to mention any names, but I have a very, very close friend who had a heart procedure at Auctioner and came to the coast. And while he was here, experienced some bleeding. And uh, long story short, he went to the Gulfport Singing River location. They immediately went in there and uh, did some what, whatever minor surgery was necessary in order to stop the bleeding. But the yeah. fact that they had this partnership with, uh, with Auctioner made the communication so right. clear and seamless. And that's the way you expect it to be, isn't it? Exactly. We share a medical record that is the top in the country called Epic. It is the number one. It's the Microsoft Word, Excel language of healthcare records. And Auctioner's on it, too. Yet another reason we thought the partnership was natural. So uh, for that patient in particular, uh, you know, they were able to immediately pull up his records from Oshner and within minutes were able to know exactly uh, what the situation was and what they needed to do. And it was a it was a really good, good story of how uh, working together on one platform can benefit uh, patients who are, you know, migrate along the coast from uh, Mississippi to uh, Louisiana. And I can tell you what he said to me was he was literally blown away, literally blown away how quickly he was able to go in because of the records being in place. As you pointed out, they didn't have to they didn't have to spend a lot of time. I mean, you know, they were able to go in there pretty quickly, find the source of the bleeding and stop it. And, yep. you know, he was back out in a relatively short period of time. But it's a, it's it's that, that's what you want. It, that's what you want to yep. be able to say. That's our, that's our goal for everyone. And, and not just the yeah. record, but the, there's the, you know, the physicians who were involved in that case went the extra mile. They are phenomenal. Dr. Plot and Dr. Roth and some others that uh, made all that happen. I, I, I'd like to try to say we, we want that every single patient who comes in our doors to have that type of a incredible, good experience. That's our objective with every single one. Absolutely, 100%. We're visiting with Lee Bond, the the uh, CEO of Singer River Health Systems. When we come back, uh, we're gonna we're gonna continue to sort of lay some groundwork about you know how the hospital got to where it is today. This incredible A grade status they're in in the midst of the pandemic, and how you, how Lee brought very unique qualities, very unique skill sets to the table to help the, the, the hospital get through some very difficult financial times. Coast View on Super Talk 103.1 is brought to you by J. Allen Toyota on I-10 Exit 38 Gulfport. See all the incredible inventory at allentoyota.com. And remember, when you think Toyota, think J. Allen Toyota. Talking to the people that help make the coast such a unique place to live. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. 
Welcome back to Coast View and Happy New Year to you. Second show of the year and really couldn't pick a better guest than, than Lee Bond, the uh, Chief Executive Officer for Singer River Health System. He's not only been incredibly active in the community and the medical community across the state of Mississippi, but he's been a terrific CEO. And I, I wanted to come back and just reflect on one thing, Lee. We've talked about this before, but I actually wonder about this. How often do you look back now that when you first came to the hospital, because you'd been in the gaming industry, you sort of have a financial and accounting background. You you know how the, the, the that part of a business works, but but you also have a heart and you have the ability to build a strong culture and you understand what that looks like and you've had a lot of success doing that. You come into Singer River Health Systems at a time when they really were trying to recover from a, just an incredibly difficult financial situation. How much do you look back on it to say, okay, this is where we were when I came here and this is where we are today. And how do you, how do you reflect on that? Yeah. Well, so, so actually you don't have much time to look back these days. We're all working so darn hard. It's uh, it's tough to look back, but I, I certainly do have uh, interactions that make me reflect back on it. And actually, uh, when I got here, um, I went back to what I thought was going to be a little easier roll back to my finance roots, you know, after being in sort of an operations in, in the gaming hospitality business and uh, was was there as and part of the uncovering of, you know, the accounts receivable uh, issues, the the pension non-funding and all of that. So uh, unfortunately, I lived through every bit of the bad. And uh, I tell people that, you know, I think I came here to kind of step back to my finance roots, but little did I know that God's plan was to take what I had learned in the service and hospitality industry. I think that's what, and operationally, uh, those types of things are what helped me, I think, the most. And then, of course, uh, you know, it's all about the team, you know, uh, being able to put together. Uh, I've got such a fantastic team of leaders and frontline people that are just phenomenal, many of whom have, you know, came from my old industry. Our, our environmental services, for example, um, you know, as a person who uh, I worked with for 20 years and I just was shocked that hospitals were, uh, didn't have, you know, most of them farm it out or they, they uh, outsource it and we brought it in house and he just brought it to this new level of cleanest hospital in the world. And, you know, little things like that are what helped me uh, the most people and and so I, I do look back sometimes and uh, would like to hope that better days are ahead because we have been through so much. We've been through, you know, the AR, the pension, the uh, uh, we, we've been through a cyber attack. Uh, we've been through, uh, you know, other uh, lawsuit challenges and then three waves of COVID. It's been uh, it's been tough. But I know that if we keep working hard and keep our nose to the grindstone, uh, we'll we'll get to a better place eventually. I have have no doubt. Yes, you're interested, and I didn't. I didn't think about this so literally just now. But you said so many of your team came from the gaming and hospitality industry, and I thought think about Shannon, who I was instrumental in helping to attract to the yes. Sun Herald from the yes. Hard Rock, and uh, and then she went on to become a publisher of the Sun Herald, and she's on your team these days. But uh, she's been a good ad for you, hasn't she? Absolutely. You know, people don't, when we did the turnaround back, and again. That's another component. I mean, it was the place we were losing, you know, $30 million a year when I first got here and they didn't even know it. And part of our turnaround plan was expense control, uh, you know, of course, uh, focused on labor efficiency, growing revenue. But the third uh, prong was actually marketing. We had some good core 
uh, medical areas that we just needed to build on. And she's helped us really take those to another level because people need to know that we've got these great things, you know, a Joint Commission Accredited Hospice, uh, you know, a Blue Distinction Center of Excellence, all these things that were uh, underlying that people didn't know about. Uh, she certainly helped do that. And then, you know, there's others like her. I've got one of our best analysts. Again, it was a weakness at Singer was the financial area. Now it's uh, considered a strength because of good analysis. So people like that, that God has put in my life uh, to help us, uh, you know, I couldn't be couldn't be more blessed to, to have folks like that uh, around us to help us. Uh, and that's why I know that even though we've probably got some more tough days uh, right around the corner, uh, I know that we're going to make it uh, for the long term and we're going to thrive, not just survive. Lee, I used to say this uh, when I came, went into a company and I had the opportunity to have responsibility for multiple companies later in my, in my career. Uh, I wanted to, I wanted to meet the CFO. I wanted to see if I was in sync with the CFOs. I wanted to make sure I was in sync with the director of, of human resources. And, and then I wanted to understand sort of what the marketing piece was. If I had good relationships with those three, you know, we could just about do anything. And I, I know you know what I'm talking about, don't you? Oh, absolutely. Our, you know, I, I like to think our human resources like none other. Our HR, she's like none I've ever worked with. Uh, the work ethic is tremendous. You'll see, how often do you see an HR person, an HR director working on the weekends and holidays fighting for the frontline people? You know, um, it's, it's, it's actually incredible to witness. We should probably do like a documentary on, on some of these folks. <laughs> it's, and it's, you know what, buddy, it's a, uh, speaking specifically about HR these days, wow, because they're so focused on retention. They're so focused on all of these challenges. I mean, this constant flow of, of, of hopefully an increasing number of people who are applying to get jobs. I know that's still a challenge, but it's a tough job, isn't it? It's tough. It's very tough right now. Uh, we're in a world where, uh, forgive me for saying this, the government has printed so much money that it is created where folks don't want to work um, like they used to. And uh, it's causing so many issues, not just the labor force shortage, but I, I'm, I'm concerned about people ask me if I'm concerned about Omicron. Yeah, sure. But first concern is uh, inflation and the labor shortage that we are experiencing as a world and in every area. Uh, we've got to get this country back to thinking that a work ethic is a good thing. Yeah. You know, let's let's go ahead and, and go there now since you since you brought it up. It's interesting now that Delta has really taken the northern states by storm now. And of course then Omicron's coming back. We'll get to Omicron here in just a second. But you're you're hearing about overwhelmed nurses, overwhelmed ICUs in the northern states. You're hearing about nursing shortages, et cetera. Um, this has been a constant refrain down here that this is an issue. You know, the issue of traveling nurses getting paid more than 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 nurses that are actually employees, and right. and the whole retention issue and all of that. It, it seems to me though the problem in America and the state as well, because it, we I talked about it with the speaker, I talked about it with the lieutenant governor, that there are just so many competing priorities. I mean, it's unbelievable. I don't think we've ever been in a moment in our history with so many competing priorities. But at the same time, we've got the money. We've got the money more than we've ever had. Over a million dollars in the bank. You know, all this, billions of dollars to be able to implement. And um, I know they will probably pass a bill that's going to address some type of bonus for nurses, but it's not going to be enough, at least based on what it looks like today. 
No, our concern, Ricky, is, uh, you know, it's easy to say, oh, we're going to do something for the nurses. Uh, $50 million. Well, you divide that among 46,000 nurses and you also give it to all the other frontline caregivers, techs and people in respiratory therapy and radiology and everywhere else. It's four or $500 a person. Uh, that's not going to make people stay in Mississippi. Uh, we got to do the, the thing that is hard, that is politically hard. Uh, we have a bona fide RN catastrophe in Mississippi. We are disproportionately affected to other states. And like it or not, controversial issue, Medicaid expansion, Louisiana, my friends in Louisiana kind of get a chuckle. They say, you know, we've got a billion dollars a year in our state that you don't have. And so it's easier for us when Mississippi's in a worse spot. Uh, I heard the uh, speaker talking about the, the income tax. He's right. Texas and Florida, they don't have an income tax and they're richer states. And guess what? It's easier for them to pay more. Mississippi is also the unhealthiest state, the least educated state. You add all of that up and it's probably the hardest state for us to get where we need to be with RNs. And I worry that the world does not understand where we might be in two years with the continued RN exodus with this. If we have another uh, big wave with, um, you know, either with Delta or, or Omicron, either one, which very possible that happens. Uh, my concern is not those. My concern is not having nurses throughout the state of Mississippi. I mean, we're, we're gonna we're gonna make it at Singing River. We've got thank God for people like uh, I was just talking a story this morning about Bobby Ansisson and Blakeney and all these other nurses who just love. It. They're gonna stay no matter what. But they are they are not the norm. And there are places in Mississippi where uh, nurses can just drive an hour across the the border, in Mobile from Pascagoula, and they can make more money because these other states have more money. And so it's a it's a huge problem that we've got the money to fix. I don't think we have enough water and sewer infrastructure to go across all the wetlands we've got to spend that 1.8 billion. We need $400 million of that 1.8 billion, just 25% of it, actually closer to 20% of it, would be enough to give every RN $20,000 retention bonus, build a two-year bridge while we work on the longer-term solution of workforce development. It's the solution, it's, it's, it's the only solution. If we don't do it, we're gonna have a catastrophe in the state of this. We're not gonna be able to attract anybody uh, to the central and northern parts of the state for sure. Yeah, we're in a moment in this state with so many competing objectives, so many competing objectives. Yeah. Um, it's Again, it's going to be a super, super... Well, I love uh, policemen. I love teachers. I love all of those people. But you have a stroke or you have a heart attack, you must have an RN to be able to yes. help save you. And we are neglecting the RNs in this state right now. We're going to continue this conversation when we come back on the other side with Lee Bond from Singer of the Health System. We'll see you after this break. And now it's Coast View with Ricky Matthews. Brought to you by J. Allen Toyota and AGJ Systems and Networks on Super Talk 103.1 FM. Welcome back to Coast View. I have Lee Bond, the Chief Executive Officer for Singing River Health Systems, and we're just talking about a wider range of uh, a wide array of, of uh, issues. Right now, though, we're on the nursing shortage, and so you know, 
Lee, you and I have talked about this before, but it, I want to I want to say it from my perspective, and then you can add to it, and see, you can tell me if you think I'm close to this. Uh, when I was in Alabama, I, I, I spent a lot of time we editorialized, and I should point out I'm conservative. I, I'm a conservative. I'm, I'm that's where I stand. I would say I'm a moderate Republican. I do think there's a role for government and some social issues. I'm very conservative when it comes to business issues, and I'm and I tend to be just fiscally conservative. That's where I stand as a as a as a person. Um, when I was in Alabama, we wrote a lot of editorials about Medicaid expansion, though, because we we saw that the future was going to be in a situation where some states were accepting that, some states were not. Those states that accepted it long this is long before the pandemic. Long before the pandemic, we're going to those states that didn't, from a medical point of view, we're going to be at a competitive disadvantage. And we used to try to put that in, in hundreds of millions of dollars of perspective. Then I go to go to go to Louisiana as the pu publisher of uh, Times Picayune and Nola.com, and I spent time. I spent a couple of hours, actually more than a couple of hours, one on one at the mansion with uh, with Bobby Jindal talking about this subject. And of course, Bobby Jindal, I mean, the, the former governor of the state of Louisiana, is a is a medical uh, policy expert. That's where that's where he comes from. But but his position on it was we can't do Medicaid expansion because he doesn't want to borrow any more money from China. That's how that's how high he level he looked at it. Uh, he couldn't he couldn't get past the populist message around where Republicans had positioned Medicaid expansion. Then what happened is you began to see uh, more Republicans start to accept it and say, "Oh, wait a minute! Wait, now what is going on in America?" Some, 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 some of the really conservative governors were beginning to say, "Wait a minute! We've got to do this. We've got to do this because we don't want to put ourselves at a competitive disadvantage." Then Bobby Jindal leaves. John Bell Edwards comes in as the governor. Uh, had, we had multiple conversations with him before he became governor, and then after he was governor, we continued these conversations. The very first thing he did—I know he's a Democratic governor, but he's also—he's also a moderate. He's a, a significant yeah. moderate, I might add. Um, first thing he did was expand Medicaid, and immediately the the uh, state of Louisiana started to to realize the benefits from that. Now wow. let's come over to Mississippi. In Mississippi, we've not expanded it. There's been a populist message around it. I get it. There's arguments on both sides of this, but take the politics out of it for a minute. Just take them out and just look at just the medical arena, the industry of medical medicine. And let's look at how it's being, healthcare is being provided in the state of Mississippi. And you, now that you have the partnership with Auctioner, you have this great opportunity to look over into Louisiana to see, okay, what's the benefit of Medicaid expansion meant for them? And what's the disadvantage of not expanding it in Mississippi? You're in a great position to see that, aren't you? Yeah, I see it every day. It's huge. They, they again, uh, they see it very clearly, uh, the disadvantage we're at. It goes back to what I said earlier, uh, and it's not a Democrat thing or a Republican thing. It's a, I tell people, it's an RN thing, because what I said earlier about where we as a state are not doing enough to retain RNs, and the state has the money and the ability to do that. And if we want to keep the $1.8 billion and spend it on water and sewer or whatever else, they're going to try to figure out a way to spend it, um, you know, at least look at the competitive disadvantage Mississippi is at by not taking that Medicaid money. Our federal, everybody who has a W-2, some of their federal withholdings are going to states outside of Mississippi. You can't argue with that. And I would absolutely say there's wrong on both sides of this argument all day long. You got people on one side saying, oh, it's free. It's not free. It's going to cost the state $200 million, but there's a billion dollars that comes with it. So the ROI 
is high and it's about competitive advantage. That is money that can be used specifically to help not-for-profits like us that are barely breaking even. We could use every penny of that to, to give more money to RNs and RTs and techs and all of those people working on the front line. But yet, because of you're a Republican or a Democrat, you can't vote for it. It's just, it's a sad state of affairs and, and competitive disadvantage is absolutely uh, what, what I am putting forth is the reason to do it. It has nothing to do with your political affiliation. I am against welfare programs and increasing taxes, but I'm, I'm, I believe in winning and Mississippi is not winning. Well, we spent a lot of time. I, I shouldn't say it. We're not. We're struggling, and we're going to struggle in the future. I'll say it that way. I get it. I get. I got it. I get it. But when you compare, when you say competitive disadvantage, you're saying that nurses are having to make personal decisions about where I'm going to want to be employed, and too many are going to those states that have expanded Medicaid and have gone out of their way to make sure that retention is a high on the list item. And you're deeply concerned and you're not the only one. I mean, this is a, this is a, this is an issue across the state, whether you live in rural hospitals or whether it's, excuse me, whether you go to rural hospitals or, or some of the most, uh, you know, so, some of the most, uh, you know, uh, dense populated areas of the state, it doesn't matter. Yep. This is a big issue. And the, the, the healthcare profession is aligned around it. And we've got to, we've got to, focus on it. One other thing I want to say just about that, Lee, is that we spent so much time before the pandemic conditioning people to be anti-Medicaid expansion that we that we should, you know, it's almost like we spent so much energy on that that we can now, we cannot now come back and say, okay, the pandemic has changed everything. we got to rethink this and do it in a way that's a political win. The Republican governors that have done it across this nation have done it in a way that's a political win for them. Yeah. And uh, I, I wish Mississippi could find that the win for itself in this in this game. Any final word on that before we shift gears? No, I think it's just a matter of time before you know it's going to be very bad if we're the last state to not expand. Uh, it's going to look. I mean, there's only you know 12 left, and um, and others looking at it. So I, again, it's about competitive advantage, and it's about uh, getting money to those frontline people. Hospitals don't need it. The frontline people need it. There's, there's no doubt about it. So let's come back to Omicron. I had a visit with Dr. Nicholas Conger, who's the infectious disease doctor from Memorial. And uh, he's always taken such a practical view toward this one. And obviously, uh, what he said is sort of bearing out now, which is incredibly more, four times more, more contagious than the original uh, COVID, two times more deadly, excuse me, more contagious than the Delta variant. And um, and that it was quickly sort of uh, kind of kind of uh, 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 be be the dominant strain in America, which is that's what's happening pretty rapidly. He also talked about that the natural progression of of a of a virus like coronavirus is to do essentially this to have a Delta variant and then have a more contagious, less deadly, you know, one that people don't get as sick on uh, Omicron. and so that's what's come out of that's what's come out of uh, South America, uh, South Africa, yeah. and we're seeing this across other countries as well. Uh, your experience with that has been pretty much the same as well, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, the media is making it out like it's some new big surprise, and it's just there. Honestly, I think the media is overreacting a little bit in that um, it's expected. It's viral evolution. It's uh, it's if you look at any science or whatever, it's expected, and it's. Uh, you know, we'll see. I mean, time will tell. Uh, but right now, it appears to be a lot less deadly. 
Uh, in addition, with uh, the percentage of people that are vaccinated that are avoiding it, puts us in a better position. And frankly, I wish the media and the government would spend more time focused on, you know, educating people uh, instead of uh, pontificating about what's going to happen. You know, how Omicron, you know, is just so deadly and so bad. And so, you know, that's that's not the right focus, in my opinion. I think that. Um, we need to worry about the labor shortage, about inflation. Um, get back to educating people about common sense things like washing your hands. Nobody's talking about that. You hear everybody on the TV talking about get vaccinated. Well, you know what else you can do? You can wash your hands and people do not do that. They also do not isolate when they're ill. They go out in public, cough all over everybody. Um, you know, they, they close talk and they touch their face with their hands. What about those things? Again, people need to be re-educated about those common sense, simple things. And I wish that the, the, the media and the government would focus on those a little more than uh, trying to sensationalize what's happening with, with Omicron. Yeah, there's no question about it. As you know, I'm a former media guy, so I'm a quite, quite a critic of what I see on the national stage. That what's happened is, it's very clear what's happened. They've gotten... They, they've gotten Omicron and Delta sort of in the same mix. And so what's happening at the same time Omicron's coming to America, you're seeing sort of a peak of Delta in these hospitals. And so when they talk about Omicron, they're talking about it with sort of the 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 the, the impact of Delta. And that's actually not the right way to, to position it. Not and so you know, they, then they talk about the pandemic as one thing. Instead of the nuance underneath it, as if you know the world's going to come to an end if we don't get our arms around this and everyone be scared, it's a it's a really unfortunate thing. I, I really do think getting vaccinated is a smart thing to do for sure. sure. Everyone I know and love has has gotten vaccinated. I get the issue of personal choice, and you know people will live with their consequences. But at the end of the day, that 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 die has kind of been cast by now, and it does, it, and it's going to run its course. And we've just got to we've got to accept where it's going to go and quit scaring the hell out of people. Exactly. Even if you're vaccinated, you still should do those normal things like wash your hands and don't be a close talker and don't cough on everybody and, you know, isolate when you're ill. People aren't doing that, but, you know, we'll yeah. get to it. I, I think the bigger concern, again, is the RN shortage, the labor shortage, and inflation, and I just put all the crime before. When we come back, we're going to continue the conversation, the final segment of Coast View here on the second day of the, of the of at least the second weekday of the new year for Coast View. We'll be back with Lee Bond after this break. Listen live or on demand and watch episodes of Coast View on your laptop, desktop, or on your phone or tablet by going to supertalkmsgulfcoast.com. Talking to the people that help make the coast such a unique place to live. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. I really enjoy these opportunities to, to, to touch base with leaders like Lee Bond, who's working so hard to bring a focus on issues that are critical to the state, to, critical to you. You better pay attention to this conversation and share it with friends because 
This is I, I, our leaders have so many things they're focused on, so many competing objectives. So, at the end of the day, it's hard to like single out this one. You know, I need to go focus more, more on this one. I need to think about that four hundred million dollars for the for these nursing retention bonuses because if we don't do it, such and such, it's hard for them to think like that because you know they're just they're, in some respects I hate it, but they sometimes get to the point of checking boxes and addressing things, but not addressing them as fully and as strategically as we need to. And that's why these conversations are important. In this particular case, I don't, I'm not kidding when I say this is life and death. For sure, this is life and death. I mean, if we were to have a sustained nursing shortage and we couldn't fill spots as we continue to lose additional nurses, we would be in a world of hurt in this state. We better stay focused on it. Anyway, Lee, coming back to you, I, I want to, okay, we talked about Omicron, but what's, uh, what's the current situation related to either Delta or Omicron at Singer River Health System? So we're in decent shape right now. We've got, we've been averaging each day at each hospital, uh, two to four patients um, that have uh, Delta primarily. Um, so any given day, we probably have uh, eight or nine. Uh, we did hit, uh, each hospital has had one day where they had zero over the last week. And that's always a good day at that particular facility for sure. Uh, but we know that probably our, our next year, there's always going to be one or two probably. Um, and hopefully yeah. we don't get back to those um, those big stages. I am certainly concerned about uh, if we get to that point. I know there's been a lot of talk about, uh, you know, bringing in federal resources again. I wish we could find a way to avoid that because that creates a lot of other uh, ills, uh, yeah. you know, for the nation and the state. But um, overall, at the moment, we're okay. We're we're very, you know, we're, we're making it. We're handling it. Uh, I'm so, so proud of our fearless frontline warriors because they're they're short i mean it's yeah we don't have the luxury we used to have of having you know where everybody could take off extra day here or there and uh and people are working in some cases a lot of overtime and extra shifts but they're doing what it takes and they're seeing over strong and i'm just i'm just uh, beyond thankful for our community for the people that have making that sacrifice uh for other people Hey, Leo, a few months ago, Dr. Conger, again, the infectious disease doctor from Memorial, one of the things that he mentioned to me was that he had a patient that he had been seeing over a long period of time that had an infection on his foot. And it required regular treatment. You know how those, sometimes it's very difficult to get to the bottom of something like that. It takes a while. And in some cases, they're not able to solve it. But in this particular case that he mentioned to me, the man delayed his treatment because yeah. he was concerned that if he came to the hospital, he would get COVID and it led to an amputation. And so what I want to, what I want to ask you about now is to what extent to do, do other types of illnesses, whether it be cancer or heart disease or cases like what I just mentioned, where it may be some, some, uh, um, you know, some other uh, condition that needs treatment. Yeah. Uh, how concerned are you that people are putting those things off? Um, very concerned. Uh, we're seeing a lot of that, Ricky. We're seeing people, everything from uh, heart conditions to even strokes and cancer of people that have let themselves, uh, unfortunately, delay uh, routine doctor visits and maintenance. And we're preaching uh, to the world, not just come to Singing River, go wherever you can go. But, uh, you know, get your screenings, get a go to the, the doctor for a tune-up, go to get a primary care visit to get a checkup, see how you're doing. Uh, if you've got some heart issues, go see a cardiologist. Uh, don't put off, if you've got some uh, digestive issues, see a primary care, a GI doc. Uh, don't put those things off because, uh, you know, usually the longer you wait, uh, the worse off you are in most of those cases. Many cancers nowadays 
uh, can be fully curable if you catch it early enough. So don't put off that mammogram, that GI, um, because of COVID, don't let that be an excuse because I'm seeing some sad cases where if somebody had found something a year ago um, and they specifically delayed it because of you know COVID ongoings, but uh, really preaching that, get your screenings and uh, healthcare is self-care is what we call it. And uh, you know, an ounce of uh, prevention can be worth a pound of cure, no doubt. One of the one of the smartest things I did early on was to get uh, a good relationship with internist, and you know he's done a great job of caring for me and my family. But we do do the annual, you know, the annual physical and screenings, do all the things you're supposed to do for whatever, whatever that. Okay, at this point, what are you supposed to right. do? Kind of like tuning up my truck. When I bring my truck right. in to, to get it worked on, I'll say, okay, tune it up, but you know, let me know if there's anything else that needs to be done. Right. I don't I don't want to be, you know, caught between here and the Delta. You if know, you got fifty thousand miles, get a colonoscopy because that is a cancer <laughs> that can be treated and uh, if you catch it early enough. But if you wait till you've got fifty two or fifty four thousand on you, it's gonna be a lot harder. Could be could be a really, really serious thing. So uh, listen, man, as you enter the new year. Uh, continue to do the work that you've been doing. Good luck to you in this legislative session. I hope I hope the kind of bill that we're talking about comes out of the session. I'm not hopeful that it's going to happen, but I'm I'm going to continue to talk about it, and hopefully we can get attention of our coast legislative delegation, and they can say, guys, I know we got other priorities, but this is a matter of life and death. We've really got to solve this. Anyway, good luck to you, my friend. Thank you. Uh, I'm an eternal optimist, and uh, we, uh, I'm in my mind, the right thing's going to happen because it should, and we are going, we are hyper focused on it. I'm sure that some of the legislators are tired of hearing from me on it, but um, I'm going to fight to the death for what is right for these uh, frontline warriors that have given so much of their life uh, the past uh, two years, and we're going to do whatever it takes to get that across the finish line. So I, I have a little hope that it's going to happen. I hope so, too. I really I'm going to continue to talk about it. This has been Lee Bond, the CEO of Singer River Health Systems. Happy New Year to you, and we'll see you tomorrow. Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Super Talk MS Coast 103.1. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.